Well, good morning. It is always good to be with you. I want to start by expressing uh, my, my thanks and gratefulness uh, for the special time we had last Sunday and for so many of you taking the time to write encouraging notes uh, to me and my family. Uh, all, each and every one of those, those notes was something that we read together, and we just want to thank you for honoring the, the five years that we've been able to spend together on this journey of faith. Uh, we feel equally blessed to be a part of Southern Hills and are excited to see what God is going to continue to do uh, through this church family. I also want to express my thanks for uh, your generosity last week. We had been uh, asking for those of you who could to give a little bit of extra to make up the difference between uh, our giving so far this year and our budget goal. And just last week alone, we were able to make up over half of that deficit. And so I want to thank you for that. Um, I want to honor you for the ways that you give in, in all kinds of different ways with, with your life, but especially your intentional financial giving here at church, which is such an important part of allowing us to reach out to our, our neighbors and to this community. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this time that we have to be together. And as we open up your word, as we open up our, our hearts, we pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one of us and help us to hear exactly, precisely what it is that you need for us to hear. And may we be obedient. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So last Sunday, we, we started this new message series we're calling Repairs of the World. And it comes from this ancient Jewish idea that no matter what kind of work we do, uh, and, and whether or not we're, we're paid for it or not, we are called to God's great work of repairing the world, of, of fixing every broken place and helping to heal every broken soul. And, and this is the work that God is always involved in. This is the work that God is always giving everything he has to help bring about. In fact, he was willing to give the life of his very own son in order to help heal all the things that are broken in this world and in this life that we share together. And we talked about at the heart of it, the idea here, it's not just an idea, it's a hope that we can grasp just how important our daily work really is in God's eyes. And that if we could learn to see our work with that kind of perspective, we would understand that no matter how simple a task is, or even how repetitive or menial it may seem to us, or how unimportant it may feel, that every act of work can and should be a part of that, that great work of God. But if we can't find the eyes to see it, we don't experience it that way. We can get bored and listless in what we've been tasked to do in the various places that we find ourselves in our lives, and we can feel like it's just something to get through. What we're wanting to do in this series over the next handful of weeks is to get everybody in this church family to think through Work, not just as something you might have to do, but something you're called to do. Something that God has invited you into. And I, I know even for, for myself and my own experience, there are aspects of professional ministry that don't always feel like they matter all that much. And, and no matter what your job is, whether you're a, a doctor or an attorney or a professor or a teacher or, or somebody who, who works with your hands or somebody who serves other people in all kinds of different ways, all of us have aspects of what we do, 
we wonder, would anybody notice if I just stopped doing this? If I walked away from this task? If, if I just decided enough's enough? And this idea of tikkun olam, world repair, is supposed to help us understand that there isn't anything you do that God doesn't witness, that there isn't any, any way that you serve that God can't turn into an act of ministry. But brothers and sisters, it's a choice of perspective that we're going to have to make, and it takes work, it takes imagination to see our work the way God does. You know, I, I think of, of our understanding of God, and we know that from the perspective of just sheer, raw power, God, God doesn't need our help in this whole world repair work that he's involved in. But God isn't trying to tell a story through Scripture and in our lives. God's not trying to tell a story of his own self-sufficiency. God is trying to tell a story of of collaboration and partnership with you and with me, with, with everyday, ordinary people. It's a choice that God is making. right? And, and I think that, that we need to understand how much God has invested in this choice. If God wants to tell a story of collaboration and partnership, then that means that God is choosing to need you. God is choosing to need your hands and your feet. God is choosing to need your energy and your focus. God is choosing to need your creativity and your imagination. God, who isn't forced to need anything or anyone, is choosing to need you. That he has gifted you. That he has created you in such a way that you're able to do something that God needs you to do. Not because he can't do it on his own, but because he's invited you into what he's doing, into who he is, and this amazing gift of healing to the world that he's called each one of us into. So I, I want you this morning to be thinking about this question. Right? If God has done that, if God has, has made the choice to work with you, to work through you, to repair our world, then what kind of specific work do you feel like God is calling you to do right now with your personal gifts and talents? Right? And this question changes throughout our lives. That's why we, we have the phrase there, right now. Because you may find that, that God might be calling you at different stages or seasons of your life to different kinds of work. But in this moment, in this present experience of your life, where is it that you feel like God is calling you to work? The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. He's talking about the way that we've all been gifted in different ways says there are different spiritual gifts but the same spirit and there are different ministries and the same Lord and there are different activities but the same God who produces all of them in everyone a demonstration of the spirit is given to each person for the common good now for, for the vast majority of my life whenever I would read one of Paul's writings for the most part especially in a, in a section like 1 Corinthians 12, I, I only thought of him talking about the work we might do within the church community. But you've got this phrase, for the common good. And you could say, sure, well, Paul's just talking about the common good of the church. 
But if you read Paul closely, especially in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 4, you find, 4 and 5, that that what he, he really envisions always when he's talking about the ways we've been gifted is not just to bless the church community, but for the active church community to work together to bless all of creation, to bless every single person God has given the gift of life. It is for truly the common good. That you have been gifted, that you have been given talents, that you specifically have been called to do something that, that we don't tend to think of it this way, but, but let's talk about it for just a moment. You are better at certain things than other people. And that's not just some kind of happy accident. It's a decision that God has made, Paul says, to help you understand that you have a unique calling You know, when we say we want to be like Jesus or we want to do the kinds of things that Jesus would do, that's, that's so important for us to understand. We're all called to that in a very general, abstract sense. But we've got to get more specific. We've got to get more personal than that when we start to ask, okay, but specifically, what have I been, what's my, what's my unique place in this story of the church embodying the life of Jesus? What do I uniquely bring to the table? And not for anybody. And Paul would be the first to say this. You don't notice these gifts so that you can feel gifted. You take note of these gifts because someone else needs them. That's the only reason you and I have ever been given anything from God is to share it with other people who need it. So Paul talks about this. And and I want you to think about, okay, what is it in your life that you can tell? You know, when people interact with you, when you... When you interact with them, what is it that they notice about you that you're, you're especially gifted at? And are you willing to do whatever it takes to express that giftedness for the sake of other people, not for your own advancement, not for your own reputation, but simply because it's the kind of servant, it's the kind of worker that God has created you to be? This idea of calling and vocation, it's, it's always been at the heart of Christianity. People want to know specifically What aspect of Jesus' life and ministry are they called to embody? One of my favorite Christian authors, Frederick Buechner, says it this way, and this, this quote pops up all over the place when you start to read about vocation and calling. He says, vocation is the place in your life, right, where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. So you don't just take note of where you're gifted. You take note of that to find the places in our world where that giftedness can most effectively bring healing to the brokenness that you encounter. What is it that you're uniquely gifted to do that brings life to you, that also brings life to our world? That's where you're called to serve. That's where you're called to work, Paul would say. Now, one of those aspects of calling and giftedness is one that I cannot honestly say that I personally share. And we're going to be focusing on that this morning. Uh, you may have, have noticed that the back, background image, we'll, we'll show it to you in just a second, but none of the tools that have been in the background image are tools that I use naturally. And, and it's generally the giftedness of working with your hands. And there's lots of places in Scripture we could talk about that, but one of the most accessible and, and easy to reference is in uh, Exodus 31, starting in verse 1. Getting ready to build a tabernacle. 
The Lord said to Moses, Look, I have chosen Bezalel, Uri's son, and Hur's grandson from the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the divine spirit, with skill, ability, and knowledge for every kind of work. He will be able to create designs, do metalwork in gold, silver, and copper, cut stones for setting, carve wood, and do every kind of work. There's not a thing on that list that I have the divine spirit to do. But I'm thankful and grateful that Bezalel is not the last person that God has worked in their lives in such a way where they're able to do these things that our community The community didn't just need it when he was getting ready to work on the tabernacle, and he didn't just learn these things so he could work on the tabernacle. God had been working in his life already, and this was was something he could contribute. And again, not just for God's people, but this broader vision of for the common good. And so this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time visiting. I will be talking some with David Connor uh, and this idea of Can we view things like working with our hands and developing designs and bringing something from just an idea to a reality in our world and and renovating and repairing physical objects? Can that really be a part of God repairing the world through us? So let's look at those tools real quickly. I can't use any of these without adult supervision. Um, And and so what we're going to be focusing on this morning is this idea Right, that God can use us to, to craft beauty with both our hands and our hearts, with our lives. And we're going to watch a, an interview just, just for a few minutes this morning that we've, we've taped earlier, uh, and then we're going to have a live conversation together. So let's watch this video together now. I'm David Connor. Uh, I'm Vintage Craftsman. We're a general contracting company uh, focusing on residential and commercial remodeling. Uh, We've been in business for going on 10 years. My first job um, in high school was working for a drywall company. Uh, A gentleman owned it that went to church with us. So then when I was at ACU, I was a student electrician and basically had just picked up kind of skills along the way. I was an exercise science major at ACU and was really torn after graduation of going into something with the medical field or just working with my hands and doing construction. Um, And I actually met with uh, Will Schutte, Dr. Schutte. Um, He was our family practice doctor and he had some real wise advice that, you know, I had this feeling that this medical field and orthopedics and construction were just complete two different worlds. Um, and he, he was very wise and was like, they're really the really similar um, occupations. You're using power tools to either fix a body or fix a home. And he showed me that they're really not that far apart. And so uh, that really eased my kind of decision. Um, and for where we were at with our family at the time, the, you know, getting going into construction really made more more sense for us. In a typical day, I'll be collecting materials, going to several different vendors in town, picking up the things I need, and then getting to the job site, getting tools and everything set up in place, and then really just going to work and getting the, those days tasks that I need to get to get to the next step in the process. I mean, each job, 
is just a bunch of tiny jobs broken down. And so each one of those bite-sized chunks to work through each day. If I already have the materials in place and I just show up, I might go three quarters through my day and never even talk to someone. So it is a lot of um, solitude um, and time to think, reflect, focus what I'm doing. There's something, and I, it was, I don't know, can't really put my finger on, there's something about taking something old and making it new that appeals to me. Um, and, and you can get that from a new construction of taking a empty field and, and building a beautiful house, but it's something, there's something there in the, in the remodel. I think the, the best part of my job um, is completing the project. The demo is fun, but the final, you know, when you step out of either a room, a, you know, bathroom or a house that you've made lasting changes to, and you've, you know, over-delivered for the customer's expectations for them to walk into a brand new fresh space and see it for the first time is, is pretty cool. So uh, I've been meaning to ask you, I've watched that video several times to make sure I know what's in it. And is that chandelier in the shower or yeah. is it? It's just outside the okay. shower. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. that would not be the code. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Uh, if that was true. Okay. So in the video you mentioned, and we've talked some about this, this idea that as you were thinking about what you're going to do with your life and make a choice of how you wanted to spend your working life, you didn't start out thinking this was necessarily exactly what you were going to do, and you kind of had a couple of different directions. And you mentioned this this family doctor friend who helped you think about, well, working with, with in the medical field with your hands or working in construction with your hands is really similar. But there's some other some other things we talked about in terms of that road to making the decision that, that complicated it. So could you share a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I think, um, so I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. Um, and he decided in the fifth grade that he wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. And um, just seeing his pinpoint focus, really the rest of you know his time at home was all directed to that um, one goal, one vision. Um, and I, I was in my 30s and I was still asking myself, what do I wanna be when I grow up? Uh, and really struggling with that. And so, um, I had come across uh, Seth Godin as an author, um, and he, it was an audiobook I was listening to, and he talked about if um, when trying to um, figure out what you want to be and what you want to do, um, to really focus in on the things that your friends uh, ask you for help with. Um, and oddly enough, or godly enough, that day, uh, Christy Henshaw had called me and asked me um, if I could come help David, or actually do it for David, hang some uh, towel bars at their house that he had not been able to uh, get up to her satisfaction. So, um, so it was. It's kind of one of those things. I have this, this, you know, these words from Seth Godin in my mind, and then I find myself doing this, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there's some connection here. Yeah, um, and you talked about like in high school. Mm -hmm. um, that you knew this was something you wanted to do, 
but you just had a sense it wasn't good enough, I guess, to kind of give your life to, or maybe it was cool enough. Or... Yeah, um, it, it definitely, I, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up, I just, I loved art. I would draw. Um, I loved painting. I loved um, sculpting things and making things out of, you know, wood and scraps and things that I would collect. Um, but then really kind of middle school, um, high school, um, kind of, trying to figure out and fit in um, definitely drifted more to athletics and sports uh, and trying to find myself in that uh, and really, really lost a lot of the creativity that I had. Um, and it really wasn't until after college um, when that uh, kind of passion was reignited in some things I was doing. Um, and it was, then it was, it really did make the decision easier that you know, creativity in the medical field isn't really encouraged that much. So the creativity and <laughs> being the fly, able to, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Most people want their arms where they're yeah. supposed to be. And yeah. so, uh, so it really, that really just kind of made it a simple decision, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I had felt like these two worlds were so, so just vastly dissimilar. Um, yeah. And realizing, okay, now this is where my true values lie yeah. of, you know, being able to create and, and, and have the creativity to, to express myself in this direction. So I think at the core of this, this focus we're going to have as a church for the next few weeks as we think about work and how it's a part of God's work, the, the phrase that keeps coming to mind for me as we've been talking is, okay, you're, a, you're not just the craftsman, you are a craftsman who's also a committed follower of Jesus. And so I want us to talk a little bit about how that impacts your work. And so you have two primary, I think, ways that you're working. One is in solitude. You mentioned that in the video. And then the other is with other people, whether that's clients or, or customers or subcontractors or vendors. So let's, let's think about both of those areas, how your faith, how your relationship with God impacts that. So let's start with solitude. Um, so, yeah, I do. I, you know, I, I end up working basically alone a lot of times, um, and uh, I, I really, um, and Bluetooth headphones are, the, are awesome, uh, and I listen, to, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and a lot of praise and worship music, um, depending on the task uh, that I'm doing, um, if it's something that I can, don't really have to concentrate on, I'll, I'll listen to podcasts, but if it's something where I'm a little more, need to be a little more focused. I'll listen to music and, and just kind of have it as a background to, to my day. And I think there's something definitely powerful about having, you know, those praises proclaimed um, over when I'm working um, that it, you know, it's going right into my ears and, and boiling down to my heart. And I think yeah, there's, yeah. there's some truth to that. And you've had some experiences in that solitude. Um, yeah, yeah. Share one of those. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, when you're when you're left to your thoughts, you're you're they're all there. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, I think I was hanging drywall, um, and had been really just kind of struggling with uh, not necessarily a big decision or anything, but just kind of with some some life things, and and really had just kind of laid it all out. I was like, is, is, are you even real, God? And uh, and 
had a piece of drywall up and I had a few, I just needed to finish um, putting some screws in it. And I reached down and I was like, I kind of looked at it and I was like, yeah, I probably, I just need two more in there. And as I reached in the screw pouch, I felt this, you need three screws. And I was like, no, <laughs> whatever that was, I don't need three screws, I need two screws. So I grabbed two screws, climbed up the ladder, put the first one in, and literally had the thought, see, I only need two. As I'm driving the second screw, bing, flies off, fell down to the ground, and I was like, man, I need three screws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's this, there's this sense. We all have times where we need an experience of God's presence. Yeah. And what I love about that story is, I mean, I've always said, that God has a sense of humor, and there's moments where whatever kind of encounter we need can be really difficult for us to sense it when we're constantly around other people or there's a thousand things going on, but in the quietness of that, you get to experience the nearness of God. When it comes to working with other people, what, what kind of impact does being a, a committed follower of Jesus make? So a, a big part of my job is communicating, um, whether it's with uh, customers or subcontractors. Um, there's just, there's, you know, how to communicate, the, the frequency of which I need to communicate. Um, and then also understanding, especially with, with the customer, that this is a gigantic financial decision that their family's taking on. Um, and really getting them to understand that uh, beyond the financial decision, the most difficult part of any remodel is is living on the job site, which with new construction you obviously don't have. And so, you know, being upfront and honest and, and transparent with them on, okay, this is what this process is gonna look like. These are the ways beyond just not having your kitchen for a few weeks or, you know, a bathroom. This is the other ways it's gonna impact your life. Uh, and, you know, being honest upfront. Um, and I really try to under promise and over deliver. Um, doing exactly what I say I'm going to do um, and, and, you know, so that they feel good at the end about every dollar that they've spent uh, on a project. So as you think about, you know, there's people listening right now that are either, they haven't made a, a decision of how they're going to spend their work life and this may be something that they're, they're feeling interest or, or called to. There's people in the room who are doing jobs that they wouldn't choose right now um, and they may have some interest in this. What, what's the, the truth about your work in terms of the highs and lows and the things you'd want somebody to know who might feel like God's calling them into to working with their hands? Um, I think, you know, there is, there's a lot of, uh, the highs are awesome. The, you know, turning over a house back to someone and like I said, getting to see them, the look on their face and really um, a project we just finished um, was actually, um, remodeling a, uh, a bathroom in a major part of the home for a customer who knew or and, and knows that eventually she'll be wheelchair bound. Mm. Um, and then, you know, being able to now, you know, hopefully years ahead of time, but know that she'll be able to, you know, live in that home and access that space. Um, those are, those are the, the best parts of it. Um, the, the difficult, the challenging things are, you know, it can be super, super difficult sometimes to kind of boil back of, okay, to get to this end goal, what do I need to be doing today? Um, what's, what, you know, what are the steps? Um, like, because each job is just a bunch of little jobs broken down into, 
daily, hour, minute by minute tasks. And so um, balancing all of those and, and uh, kind of juggling all of that yeah. um, when you have multiple subs on a job can be, can be challenging. So we've been talking for a few months about this, and I've noticed as we've been talking that just just asking you to think about your your job in this way has has I think changed your your sense of your experience of work, mm-hmm. which to me gives gives me hope for all of us that if we start to think differently about maybe the job we're already doing, we start to experience God in some new ways that we would have otherwise missed. Yeah. And what are some of the, the insights that you feel like you've been given or what are some of the memories that have come up um, as you look back over the way God has been present in, in your work life? I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it's, you know, it goes without saying, but we don't realize what we're not looking for. And so when we do stop um, and look with some hindsight to, one, see how far we've come, to see, you know, the, the steps along the way that have got us to this point. I, there, there's some there's some beauty of that, and then also being just gracious and grateful for where we are. Um, the one one story that I just I still just really struggle with trying to put a bow on and figure out exactly what it was, but um, it was after I graduated uh, from ACU. Um, we had just gotten married. I was trying to find a real job, and in the meantime, I was working for a guy making molasses-based animal feed, um, which is as exciting as it sounds, <laughs> if you can imagine. Um, and part of that job was um, we we would sell the feed to ranches all over all over Texas, um, and they got a discount when they returned the plastic tubs that the feed went out in. Well, in order for us to reuse them, we would have to power wash them out. And so part of my illustrious job um, was power washing out those half 55 gallon drums, cut in half tubs of, of molasses feed. And so there's chunks of molasses and you're spraying them out and your water spraying back in your face and everything. Um, I still cannot stand the smell of molasses. <laughs> but uh, so I was there working one day. It was out, uh, out on uh, 83, 84, north of town. Um, it was hot, middle of August. And, um, you know, I've got these tubs all stacked up, and I'm spraying out each one and then making a new stack. And this truck pulls up. And uh, so I killed the, the uh, power washer and... And he rolled his window down, and he asked if the owner was there. And I said, no, he's gone right now. But I said, can I help you? And he goes, no, I'll just come back later. I was like, all right. And he, he stopped, and he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I was like, uh, yeah, yes, sir, I, I am. And he said, well, I could tell. God bless you. Have a good day. Mm. And <laughs> I mean, talk about being left to your thoughts. Were you thoughts. spraying it in the shape of a cross? <laughs> no, or not that I was aware of. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, he, he drives off, and I fired the power washer back up, and I was just like, what was that? You know, I, I don't know what it looks like to power wash visibly enough that it's Christian, but <laughs> apparently I was doing it that day. <laughs> No, and I, we, we've talked about this story, and I think it's so important for all of us to realize that people are watching us, 
that people notice things about us, that, that it doesn't matter how repetitive or boring or, or you know, just it, it seems like a meaningless job at some level, that God could use us in that place in a way that we don't anticipate. And uh, I, I want to thank you for opening up your life and sharing with us. And I want to thank you for living out the aspect of God that is a, a maker and a builder and a creator. You know, in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything and gets his hands dirty and crafts things out of nothing. Um, and, and all of us, when we're, we're finding a way to live out the, the work that God wants for us, we express some aspect of who God is. And I just want to thank you for honoring that gift in your life. Would you join me in thank you, David, for the time that he's given for this? Thanks, David. Appreciate it. So what I, I want to end our, our time this morning in the sermon, I, I want you to think about this, this question, right, which is all of us have been gifted in a specific way, and God has made this choice to need us to partner with us, to work with us to repair the world. So what is it that God has specifically called you to in this moment with your, your gifts and your talents and your opportunities, um, even if it feels temporary, even if it feels like it's going to be short term? What is the chance, the door that God is opening up to you? Because we've got to have our hearts and our eyes open to that if we want to work with God in this great task of healing and fixing and repairing and renewing. If you're somebody in this room who is currently doing that kind of work, working with your hands, making, building, if, if you're somebody for whom that's life-giving, even if it's not something you get to do all that often, would you stand up for just a moment? I want to say a prayer over you. This, you're not going to have to do anything else but be, but be present and have me pray. If you're someone who works with your hands or it's, it's a way that God has gifted you, it's a way that God uses you or partners with you. Would you please stand up? And would, would you, the rest of you, um, would you join with me in this prayer over these people in our church family? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the people in our community that you gift to be builders and makers, people who use their hands to create something, often it seems out of nothing, but create something that's useful or beautiful or helpful to us in our community. God, I lift each one of those people up to you right now, each one of these names and faces. We want to honor the aspect of your life, your creative life that you have placed in them. And God, I pray that you would multiply the opportunities that they have to serve, to work in that way. And I pray that you would help them to do it in such a way that if, if they're just simply moving their bodies, working with their hands, measuring, cutting, building, that people would be able to see from a distance that they are your people, that they are your servants, that they are your ministers, that they're following your son and in his footsteps. It's in his name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Everything we do is something that God can use for something greater than we can imagine. And I pray that this week, as you think through what it is that you have been tasked with, that you've been called to, that you'd find a way to turn that act of work into worship. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their spouses will be out in our church lobby, uh, out on the other side of all these major doors. They want to receive you, pray with you, talk with you. If there's anything you came with this morning that you need to lift up to the Father, that, that you need to talk with someone about, please go to them as together we stand and 